Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. All right, well, this will be our last episode recording with a uh, tiny square poker table draped with our flag with a, what is that, the new best cook, best recipes cookbook? The new best recipe from the editors of Cooks Illustrated. I have the uh, Scotty Bowman uh, biography by Ken Dryden, and Evan, you don't have any. I just have a hunch now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a troll coming out of my cave. Yeah, all that time at the gym and we're ruining your shoulders. And work. Work does it too. Oh, man. You don't have one of those ergonomic chairs? No. Well, I do have a chair that like gives me like this weird like ant, like op- the an opposite hunch. Oh, where it supports your lower back? So really, I just like, I'm just a, what, a noodle now. No, oh, yeah. So nice. n- no structure either way. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where they got all those kids, those chairs, and they ended up with back spasms. <laughs> that is me. That is me. Millhouse is just all droopy on one side. My uh, new job, the chair that I inherited slowly goes down over time. And the person before me who worked there, she was much smaller than me. So she thought I was crazy when I told her that. And so every two hours I have to like raise up my chair. But I've already asked for so many things from our department, like two monitors. How does anyone work on one monitor? I have three. Yeah, I want three. <laughs> I want three in a vertical one. Yeah, I remember when I only had two and someone walked by like, why do you only have two monitors? It's like, <laughs> I don't know what I do with the third. They're like, you'll find ways. And then I was like, okay. So I put in the order. I got a third monitor. I, I working from home with one monitor is. Oh, it's a nightmare. It's, it's a nightmare. Where I, do I put my spreadsheets? I prefer not to work from home. Honestly. I'm, I'm just going to go out and say this is the most unpleasant, infuriating conversation <laughs> anybody's on, ever had on I this didn't podcast. I put on pants until 4.15 today. Was it the monitors or the working from home? Yes. <laughs> you have one, I take it. Oh, you have a point of sale machine. I have a shared computer and oh. I'm on my feet for 80% of the day. Devastating. Devastating. I hate you all. And I know there's like 80% of our listeners are listening to us right now trying to strangle you through their speakers. Yes. And I apologize to all of you. And with that, we did get some feedback to not ramble so much before we start the episodes. Oh my God. Like, I'll okay. ramble as much as I want. I will agree to that stipulation as soon as someone else points me in the direction of another podcast that doesn't do that. I just was doing it to get A, get a rise out of you, and B, get you to ramble. We would Our episodes are basically 20 minutes. Uh, essentially. And people want longer episodes. Oh, man. Do you remember when we uh, thought that we would get away with being an hour-long podcast? We thought, like of pure content or just No, no, minutes? like hour, like period. Like 60 minutes, front to end, and we'd be done. And the first time we had like a 90-minute one, we're like, oh, man, that was crazy. That was what such a grind. And everyone was like, yeah, you're going to keep doing that. <laughs> now I'm just like that guy who smoked for 50 years and <laughs> that's just what it is now. It is what it is. Do I have energy to be doing this today? Nope. <laughs> we're doing it anyways? Yeah, probably. Who knows? We're going downhill in, in neutral, basically. Welcome to the Wind Wheel Podcast. Just like the Red Wings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Chris, And I'm no pants lob singer. <laughs> I didn't put pants on till 4.15 today. The, uh, Fun fact the listeners don't know, it's 3 p.m. <laughs> oh, we actually have a lot of content on this uh, today's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We just finished the uh, last game before the All-Star break, which means we're going to be doing some mid-season awards. Uh, some Red Wings or League? I forgot to ask about that. Red Wings Awards or League? Why would we do Red Wings Awards? Because it loses. Because it would be the funniest, depressing topic we've ever done. 
Um, hot take: Red Wings MVP this season, Philip Zadina. I end my I end my hot take. He had he started this season two months ago, and there's a strong case to be made for <laughs> like, it. I think I can actually make that argument. Uh, I don't. Yeah, there's like three players that you could actually make an argument for over him, maybe four, and legitimately that's it. No, there's that one Red Wing who scored. No, that was Jason Sucker in Minnesota. Easy to make that mistake. Yeah, because even though Mantha played like six games, you could make a case. Uh, Bertuzzi and Larkin, you can make the case for obvious reasons. And Heronic, you could probably make a case. Possibly Bernier. And then it's legitimately Zadina and nobody else. Uh, I vote Evan for uh, really coming through this season and upping his uh, podcast uh, uh, average time speaking. Per 60 numbers are strong. Oh, so far in 2020. Phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, okay, so before we dive too deep into it, we're going to talk about some Red Wing specific news. We're going to do some mid-season awards. And then, you guys don't know that this is one of the main topics, we are going to talk about the debate of the Zadina draft class, who is the best player from that draft. I don't know. Oh, I am not yeah, we're ready. Doing it. I can't be- even name you five people in the top 10 of that draft at I- this point. I could name you the entire top 10 and I can pretty much <laughs> No, but I can also name about 20 people who are going to scream at me on Twitter when this is done, no matter what my opinion is. Oh, well, you have 20 friends? Grow up, dude. Dude, uh, I'll have you know I have tens of followers. <laughs> hey, uh, on that. Okay, so I want to talk about two more intro things. First of all, no. sponsors for this podcast, R&D Woodworking. Our friend Daniel Rossi has uh, the table done. It will be here on Sunday for next episode before you guys get here. Uh, extremely excited. We're going to do eventually clip together uh, uh, a video for you guys. Oh, and for those of you watching on YouTube, if you're wondering about the green tape, uh, we were sectioning out the wall behind us to hang the jerseys. Uh, we had some issues and then the green tape fell. There's some. Are we going to do a jersey raising ceremony? No, it takes too long. There's some green tape right here. And Brad just threw some at me. Um the table will be here, and then uh, another rdwoodworking.ca. Go check it out, and then another sponsor of the show, Everett, um, from Twitter at Born to Dan Hard, whose sponsors our giveaways. Always want to thank Everett for his generosity. Uh, he sent us a singing uh, Mickey bobblehead for Christmas. Singing, yeah. Why yeah. is it not singing right now? It's in the box. I, I forgot about it till this very moment. We just got home from work, man. I've never been more disappointed than you. Really? I, I literally, me and really? Evan literally showed up 20 minutes late, gave you all the time in the world to get that out ready on the table and ready to sing for the intro. And it's not here. It could be our centerpiece right now. I, Evan and I were so considering, so considerate showing up so late <laughs> and it still didn't happen. I told these guys five and then you know, we were picking up a prescription on the way home and I was like, hey, the prescription's taking a little while. I'll be literally just a couple minutes after five. And Evan goes, oh, I better slow down. I was like, no, man, it's just a couple minutes. Relax. And then I checked my phone and Brad's like, all right, I'm stopping to get a car wash. I'm like, guys, I got home at 502. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I got here at 20 after. <laughs> Bite me. I beat Brad here. The door was just locked. You were literally walking past me as I was parking. You didn't beat I me still by beat, that much. I beat Brad here. Oh, I forgot to t- message you guys. Careful on the driveway. It's slippery. I should have trip- I should have fallen and sued you. Yeah, you think our house, house insurance will pay you out enough for that? We live in Kitchener, man. $60. Whoa, geez. See, I was a little hesitant too because you might have screwed me here because I got my car all nice and shined up so it looks fantastic sitting on the side of the road now and in this neighborhood uh that might be a bad call yeah who gets a car wash at this time of year uh someone who's got an unlimited pass and gets it washed like every four days why do you have an unlimited pass? because it's 20 a month oh oh you pay for it yeah all right uh hockey the detroit red wings uh since you want to call it hockey did terry email you 
that concern about rambling? Was it Terry? No, Terry has no. Terry's been dead for fifty years. Terry's gone. Okay. Anyways, we are in ahead. big All Star break mode. Rip uh, Terry. The Minnesota Wild uh, played an empty half of the ice occupied by only Philip Zadina last night and won four to two. Um, Zadina had a fantastic strategy since he didn't have any teammates to actually use the Minnesota players themselves to score goals. Yeah. He was going to find Burt for what was likely going to be a bank and goal. And then Minnesota, uh, Erickson Eck decided to just put it in his own net. It was a beautiful top corner redirection. You can't teach that. That was, so, uh, that was for Zadina to open the scoring. And then, um, you know, Minnesota dominated the play, dominated the shots, that whole business. And then, um, Zadina scored again off of another tri- triple quadruple deflection that it looked like it might be Giovanni Smith's goal, but it ended up uh, being just Philip Zadina's again. So Zadina two goals, Minnesota four. And they won in regulation. Uh, Adam Lascaris was messaging me before saying, hey, should I put money down on Minnesota? I was like, yes, always a bet against Detroit. Like literally always. Yeah, you would have made so much money this year. You would have, honestly, why haven't we been doing that so this year? So they've, the Rodgers have played what, 45 games and have 12 wins. So what's that winning percentage? Uh, <laughs> it's high. Yeah, they're not. 12 out of, well, 12. Hold on. I'll, Out of 48 would be you would have won on 75% of your tickets. Let me see. <laughs> they won 12 out of 51, actually. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you would have uh, so over 75%. 76.5%, essentially. Woo! Yeah. So You know, re- if we had bet $1,000 a game, we'd be uh, retired. <laughs> yes. The payout's five bucks on a $1,000 bet. Yeah, we'd still be <laughs> yeah. retired. Uh, so the Red Wings go into this break with 28 points. <laughs> New Jersey had 20 New Jersey who's in 29th place tied for 30 like tied for 30th they're only in 29th based on games played they had uh, 28 points a month ago <laughs> that's not good no that's that's hashtag bad for Bitcoin uh the Red Wings effort last night especially on defense was atrocious um I think very few players looked good and honestly can't care at this point who who are you gonna be mad at what possibly can you be mad at at this point? Zadina scored two goals. It's like a win. There's two octopi thrown on the ice. That's a win. Are we are we just looking for happy positives here where yeah. we can get them? Yeah. I have one. Yeah, go for it. Jeff Blashill. I'm about to compliment Jeff Blashill. Uh-huh. His strategy at the end of a game when trailing by one or two goals is beautiful. He got the goalie out with over four minutes left yesterday. I... Love it. Love it. The This analytics actually say you should go earlier, but he's one of the few coaches who even goes that early. He does it it's faithfully. because we're always trailing, so the other teams never get a chance to employ, <laughs> deploy that strategy. Yeah, and I don't think Detroit actually ended up giving an empty net goal. In, no, no. That was like four straight minutes of play with no like empty net goals or anything. The first minute and a half of it, the they looked like the Globetrotters tossing the puck around. Had several good chances out of it. A unit which featured... Madison Bowie. <laughs> Madison Bowie actually field. had a great keep at the line. And then there is a play where it's like one of the most basic plays on defense where you're taught where if a guy's coming down on you and he's about to use the boards to get around you, you have you cannot fall for his juke. You're not going to get the puck. You have to take the body. What does he do? He doesn't even go for the puck. He doesn't go for the body. He just kind of steps in between and just gets absolutely walked. And you're like, ah, there is the Madison Bowie I know and so love. I, I finally figured out why Madison Bowie is one of my favorite players in the Red Wings. Okay. I, my whole twisted, broken brain figured it out. Mm-hmm. It's because he's the only player on the team 
where it's never boring when he's on the ice. <laughs> you could get a really good offensive chance or the other team is going to bury a highlight reel goal or even a basic goal or there's going to be scramble. Basically, there's always scoring chances at both ends of the ice when he's on the ice. And how many Red Wings can you truly say that about? Not many. No. Yeah, he is generating a lot of excitement per 60. Yes. And on and considering the Red Wings are easily the most boring team in the NHL, that's something we need to appreciate. Do you, uh, you, obviously we've had him on the podcast, so you follow charting hockey. Do you look at his daily charts mm-hmm. for uh, shots for and against? Yes. The Red Wings shots per 60, like that they generate for themselves, is hilariously bad. They are so far behind the rest of the league. They're act- the logo is actually falling off the chart. You can only see half the Red Wings logo. They are so far <laughs> into the bad. Yeah, we, you have to look around along the uh, perimeter to find the logo. There's been so many infographics this year where Detroit either makes the graphic bigger because we're so far off it or we're not on it at all. They just leave it off. There's like, there's no point. Like that playoffs pie chart. Like, yeah. I was like, where is Detroit? There should be a zero there somewhere. No, no. Yeah, they, they're just not there. And they have 0.01% teams and Detroit's not even, they're not even given that grace. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this has been like since December. It's... J- j- it's funny because when you look at that shot generation chart, the Red Wings are actually not good, but respectable in terms of uh, shots generated against. Mm-hmm. They're pretty close to the league <coughs> average, which means they're not giving up that much. They're getting almost none. So they are by far the lowest event team in the NHL by far, which gets back to our point. We've been yelling about all year that they are not only bad, they are the most boring team in the NHL. So this is my grandiose point of why we all need to appreciate Madison Bowie. Uh, talking about some other entertainment last night. Uh, last night was a nationally broadcasted game, which is especially fun because every time they do that, they take advantage of the opportunity to highlight just how bad Detroit is as if it's just happening now for the first time. Uh, and they'll, they'll to be do that. fair, in their defense, uh, given everything we just talked about, if you were a non-Red Wings fan, why would you be paying any attention to this team? That's fair. Um, Pierre Maguire dropped a little tidbit of information, I believe, at the start of the second, where they were highlighting Trevor Daly, who actually had himself a decent game, funny enough. Trade him now. Um, where da- he said, Pierre Maguire said that Trevor Daly has informed Red Wings management, Steve Eisman, uh, that he, when his contract is up at the end of this year, he's uh, going to look to sign with a cup contender. The implication there being that if Eisman wants to move him to a cup contender now, I'm sure Trevor Daly wouldn't mind. Uh, is that incredibly notable news? No, I mean, I don't think there was a world where uh, Eisman was going to bring Daly back. Um, I think Daly might have just been working off of whatever arrangement he had with Holland or might have been muscle memory. So I'm sure Ken Holland would have brought back Trevor Daly. Uh, but it is important because it means uh, Daly's on the block and he's one of those guys where we've talked about this, even though we might think he's not uh, worth any assets We've seen time and time again, teams around this league offer guys in that position, offer them fifth round picks or seventh round picks, or even as high as like fourth or third round picks, depending. And Trevor Daly's name seems to carry. Uh, His reputation precedes him with his time in Pittsburgh and Chicago. And so uh, there's a lot of, he's always uh, among that chatter for people who don't focus too closely on the Red Wings. And if you're saying, well, teams have professional scouts whose job it is to not um, make these dumb decisions. Oh, well, Milan Lucic got traded. You know, a lot of a lot of worst players have been traded. Columbus was offering a pick for Nick Cronwall last year. And like, I love Nick Cronwall, but last year was not a year to be offering assets for Nick Cronwall. 
There'll be p- teams that inquire about Trevor Daly, and if mm-hmm. we get anything more than a fifth, that would be if they get <laughs> remarkable. A, if they get a fifth, that would be remarkable. He, yeah. We got a sixth for Jakob Kindle way back when, and I would argue Kindle was better then than Daly is now. For sure. Kindle. He got a sixth. Was Kindle better than, than Bowie is now? No. Because Kindle didn't generate. Yeah, he didn't have the offense. Yeah, He right. didn't have the offense, which is what he was supposed to have. Yeah. Uh, no, I think everyone laughed and like you know, rightly so it's not like daily is going to be mo- anyone's going to be moving mountains to get trevor daily but you like people really underestimate a how much teams value veteran depth especially for the playoffs and b how much name value carries uh this league you know we get into so many conversations on podcasts and on twitters and on reddit and blogs and whatever about what trades make the most sense and then we remember gms don't read that shit we're not the GMs, they have their own way of thinking. A lot of the times it's different. We don't always have a good pulse in this kind of thing. So something wacky happens like um, a first for – who did Pittsburgh give up a first for? Ryan Reeves. Ryan yeah, Reeves. Ryan Reeves. Something like that. Like these kinds of trades always, always happen. And I think you can – you know, you bet your bippy that if Steve Eisman gets an offer of a six-round pick for Trevor Daly, he's doing it. What is it. my bippy? I don't know. Isn't that like a, what white people call their grandparents? No. No? There's a very creepy children's YouTuber named Blippy. Is that what you're getting at? How do I know Brad? Yeah, an unspecified part of the, oh, of the anatomy. But the phrase is, you bet your Bippy. Or, an alternative, you bet your sweet Bippy. Oh, I'm not, that's I'm a body part? normal Bippy for What's, now. Is that, does this say Uns- body part? Unspecified part of the anatomy, yeah. Nobody, nobody better ever refer to that as a Bippy. <laughs> or a sweet Bippy. <laughs> That I don't think bothersome. that's the body part they're talking about. I don't care. <laughs> Anyways. The... Yeah. You know what? This is I, really want... I don't want to go down. Urban Dictionary. Let's see what they have to oh, say. No. Oh, I'm sure this won't be full of, full of bigotry. Oh, it means your bottom or your hiney. You bet your hiney. You be, yeah. I'd rather you say I don't that. know if that's better or worse. I think it's uh, it's a lot better than what you were implying. Anyways, uh, Eisman will take a trade, uh, a, a low-end uh, pick. For Daly, because Daly's gone. And and I would trade Trevor Daly for conditional seventh round pick, and that condition is that the team he goes to wins the Stanley Cup, and he scores the overtime goal in Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final to get the pick. <laughs> One other thing is that uh, a lot of people are saying uh, Pierre Maguire. You know what does he know? The guys are calm, blah blah blah. You cannot like Pierre Maguire. I'm not a fan of Pierre Maguire. If the guy's one thing, it's connected. Right, like he knows people in the, in the, in the hockey world, and he wouldn't just go out and say that so definitively if he didn't have that information. Um, it's also not crazy out of this world information, right? Like Trevor Daly wanting to continue to play and be competitive and, and win a cup in his ladder towards the tail end of his career. Yeah, it makes sense. So player on historically bad team wants to go to good team. I don't see the logic there. Uh, Brad, if you're wondering where shot suppression comes from, look no further than Dylan Larkin's shot suppression chart. There we go. Yep. Uh, he The shots against reduced by 15% in his own zone when he's on the ice. Just as Dylan a, Larkin for Selkie. Yeah, well, unironically. Maybe not this year, but no. Yeah, because he's probably still like a minus 15 on this team. Yeah, no one on the this version of the Red Wings. Fun fact, one of the Red Wings candidates for MVP is tied to uh, for being on the ice for the most goals against in the entire league. Philip Ronick. Woo! But anybody who's looking at that and thinks that's bad, when you're playing for the Detroit Red Wings this year and you're on the ice for 28 minutes a game, yeah, you're going to be on the ice for a lot of goals. Second place is the real loser. Yeah, which is uh, Suter? 
I don't know. Uh, Philip Peronik also, and I will say this, this doesn't contribute wholly to that stat, but he is not perfect defensively. He still has a lot of room to grow um, his positioning and his decision-making, especially in high-intensity defensive scenarios, isn't always amazing. Um, and so that's why you're not seeing him as a defensive stalwart. He's getting better every game. I can genuinely say that, but it's also hard because trying to get better defensively on this team, it's like playing uh, – What's that one game people call GameStop? Battle Battletoads or something? Like, I know what that is, but I've never played it. It's like playing the impossible game. And did I see a stat today? I got to double check. Someone tweeted at me that uh, uh, Patrick Nemeth is tied for the league lead in being on the ice for the most shorthanded goals against. And the two players he's tied with are goalies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, goalies are included in that. Hold stat? on, I gotta find this one because I read that. And it was like, on Twitter. Someone, someone uh, tagged us in it. Do you hear Matt Dumba talk or trash talking uh, Nemeth last night? It's like someone get him an oxygen tank. Oh no, <laughs> that's brutal. Oh no. Yes, there it is. Uh, power play goals on ice against twenty six. Patrick Nemeth tied with Jonathan Quick and Pekka Rinne. Oh God. That. The goalies should not be included in that stat. They ha- they just have to be there. Well, that means Patrick Nemeth is by far and away. Yes. Oh, oh. Here, here's a bit of a, I don't know if it's serendipitous or not, but uh, sixth in the NHL for being on the ice and it goals against uh, Dylan Larkin with 71. Well, how, oh, yeah. That's a nice little clean number there. Yeah, Ant- Anton Strawman has been on for 69 against. Nice. Nice. Uh, Good news from the Red Wings. Uh, Nothing if not predictable. Philip Zadina, with his two goals last night, is now scoring at a 25-goal, 47-point pace over a full season this year. And over the course of his career through 35 games, he has 18 points, which puts him over a half point per game. So for anyone screaming bust, rest easy. This kid is panning out. I'm screaming bust. Stop. The one that they're going to build of him in the Hall of Fame. That was impressive, Brad. That was good. And for everyone screaming Quinn Hughes, fine. We'll get to that later. Uh, no, no it, we won't. It's Philip Zadina first overall. Fight me. I'm thrilled to see Zadina score those two goals on the national stage. What did you tweet, Brad, about uh, they don't talk about how they went in? Yeah, they don't They don't ask how. They ask how many. Uh, well, he's had a lot of bad puck luck this year. To see him get two lucky breaks to result in goals is just uh, the law of averages. Yeah, it was nice. Um, he... He had himself a good game on the national stage, um, flying over to Grand Rapids, where they were actually playing Minnesota's um, AHL team, the Iowa Wild. Yeah, next time you scare me uh, about more Cider Ryan, I'm unfollowing you. Uh, did you see the video? No, I didn't see the video. I saw your tweet. No, 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 no. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is bad. I I deeply regret opening Twitter. Uh, more Cider took a bad, awkward hit in the boards and looked like he was in a lot of pain and then came back like five minutes later. So crisis avoided. It just the German machine. Mm-hmm. They're nothing if not resilient. Uh, a bunch of Red Wings were sent down to Grand Rapids. I'm sure most of you know, but just in case you don't, it was uh, Giovanni Smith, Sedina, Chalosky, and Calvin Pickard. It's literally because the Red Wings don't play again until the January 31st after Thank the All Star break. God, this is gonna be the most stress free week I've had all year. Oh yeah. Okay, mid season awards. Let's do it. Okay. Um, we are going to – this is relevant because the Professional Hockey Writers Association released their midseason awards. So we'll go through every award that they picked and pick our own uh, and debate it if there even is a debate at this point. All right. We'll okay. S- we'll start with the Lady Bing because that matters the most. Okay. 
Brad, you're starting. Zidane Ochara. I'm with Jeff Merrick. Every game he goes out there and doesn't actually kill someone with his bare hands, he deserves it. Evan, do you have a Lady Bing winner? Do you even care um, about the Lady Bing winner? No. How do you even pick the Lady Bing winner? It's the best player with the fewest penalty that's minutes, all, that's so it's Nathan McKinnon. All yeah, it is. Austin Matthews, I don't think, has a lot of penalties. His mustache is pretty offensive, though, so I don't know if we can give it to He showed his bum. <laughs> he was mean to his, his bippy. Sa- He showed his sweet bippy. <laughs> So I don't know. Uh, well, Ryan but, O'Reilly always has like three penalty minutes. Yeah, but Tim Hortons might disagree with his gentlemanly conduct. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly was doing us all a favor because he knew from the beginning how bad Tim Hortons coffee is. Yeah, he he knew the change was coming. Is there an anti-sponsorship? Because that's what we're, we're going to get at this point from Tim. Tim Hortons is going to pay us it's to shut up. cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, the Comeback Player of the Year Award comeback player of the year Ooh, i was i was mentally preparing for like the actual awards uh i think this one's easy and my vote goes to anthony duclair after the ride he's been through in the nhl he how he's been legitimately let down and pushed to the side and um told he'll never make it by multiple different good coaches for him to come back and produce like he is is that's the easiest pick for me that's a good pick. That's a really good candidate. I'm trying to think if there's someone a little more off the radar that people might talk not talk about enough that deserves some recognition, but none, none are coming immediately to mind. It's been they like picked um, they picked Willie Nylander to win this one. And what they mean by comeback player of the that year. That is stupid. They mean no. Toronto media was super mean to him and he had a good year after that. So that, Maybe he shouldn't post ridiculous hipster pictures on Instagram. Uh, is, I would rather a player post ridiculous hipster pictures than show his bippy to a security guard, you know? True. This is a valid point, but I'm still, no, no. It is not William Nylander. Max Pacioretty came third in the, that voting. Uh, what did he do? see that. Patches? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did he just have an off year last year? Was he? Injured? Yeah, he had a he had a really rough year. Uh, it's only been two games, but I'm uh, I'm gonna go with Justin Williams. You piece of garbage. I honestly have no idea. This is a hard one because you have to like, kind of know a lot about a lot of players. Yeah, all the really like uh, okay, okay, really, really off the board, but probably legitimately warrants at least a conversation given the circumstances around everything. Jonathan Bernier. I knew you were going to say that. He's been unreal this year on a horrible team coming off two subpar seasons. Yeah, but how are you going to convince them to vote for a guy who's... He's got a 907 on the 28-point Detroit Red Wings. Do I need to say more? It's a 904. Who cares? It's over nine. Um, this but, is yeah, this is one I that would, they. I think do. I would go with Duclair. I, I can't think of a better candidate there. This is one that they do. That's not a real award, but I wish it was the Rod Langway Award, which is to the defenseman who best excels in the defensive aspect of the game. I mean, most of the superstars in the league generally, because I hate this award, because people goes, okay, who's the best defenseman who doesn't produce offense? But that doesn't necessarily mean they're not good defensively. So on this one, I hate you. I am going to defer to an article that came on The Athletic. They did the players poll, and they asked the entirety of the NHL, who is the best defenseman, like defensive defenseman? And they went with a guy who puts up a healthy amount of points, but is the best defensively, Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman, I think, is the right pick there. Jacob Slavin is also another good one. Roman Yossi is having himself a great season, uh, but my pick would go to Hedman as well. 
GM of the year. GM Joe the- Sackick has to be right. They uh, took a literal dumpster fire and turned them into a very legitimate c- cup contender for infinity amount of years. And he still has cap space. Yes. Yeah. Sakic. Yeah, I can't think of anybody better than Sakic. The Jack Adams, coach of the year. Oh, this one's easy. John Tortorella. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's who I would pick, too. There's someone else. God Columbus bless. is in the playoff spot when everybody, us included, were predicting them to maybe finish bottom three in the East. They lost Artemi Panarin, who's one of the best players in the league, and they lost Sergei Bobrovsky, and they're winning with the And guy. they lost Matt Duchesne, and their starting goalie has been out for like a month now. And they have more points this year through the same number of games than they did last year. The only other one I can think of is oh, I can think Pittsburgh, about Mike Sullivan. They have yeah. had a bajillion injuries to all of their key players, and they're still in the hunt. Mike Sullivan won for uh, the Professional Hockey Writers Association. I'm guessing Tortorella was second then. Yes, and then Craig Berube was third for St. Louis. Can you uh, vote for fired coaches? Gerard Gallant, <laughs> Bill Peters. <laughs> uh, the Vesna. Ooh, this one's tough. There's a lot of contenders for that this year. I think uh, Connor Hellebuck's the easy pick, but I'm, I'm a big fan of what Darcy Kemper was doing before being injured. Elvis Merzlikens, no. Uh, maybe by the end of the year. Maybe. Bennington got a lot of award recognition despite playing less than half a season last year, so you never know. Um, yeah, Hellebuck's the obvious one. I still throw Robin Leonard in there. Yeah. Chicago was supposed to be bad again this year, and they're very much in the playoff race right now. And Leonard's having another huge year. So I'd, I'll say Ben Bishop didn't have a good start, but that team's coming around, and he is a freak. I think he'll win. Uh, ben Bishop was number two. Connor Hellebuck was number one, and Darcy Kemper was third here. We did the Lady Bang, the Calder Trophy. Is this even a question? This, this is, has to be one of the easiest Calder decisions of. I think so, but I, I'm not entirely sure you're going to pick the guy I'm going to pick. Who's all right on three? You do it. One, two, three. Kale McCarr, out of boy. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's Kale McCarr. Uh, Quinn Hughes second in that voting, which makes sense. Uh, Victor Olofsson of Buffalo. I like that. Sure. Yeah. Why uh, not? Kale McCarr lights out. No surprise because we saw him in the playoffs Kale last McCarr year. McCarr is going to get Norris votes. Yes. Of course, he's going to win Rookie of the Year. The Selkie Trophy. Okay, who good defensively, but also score points. Uh, if we're going by the, you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna say him every every year until he gets serious recognition for this. Sean Couturier. Uh, he's the easy answer in my mind. Yeah, he's he's the guy. Sean Couturier, legitimately one of the most underrated players in the NHL. Not because he doesn't. I know people think no, he's good. He's legitimately a top ten player in my mind. He's the most underrated player in the league because for some reason people still think Alex Barkov is underrated. Like no, we know this isn't a secret anymore. It's Sean Couturier wears that crown now. It's the Patrice Bergeron Trophy until they amputate both of his legs, and he'll probably still get a bunch of votes. <laughs> Uh, he yep. gets so many votes for this award. I legitimately think he'll finish like six the year after he retires, just yeah. out of habit. Like, oh, I need another person to write down. I'll just put Ber- uh, Bergeron. The the Norris Trophy. Oh, this is John Carlson. Does it have to be John Carlson? It has to be John Carlson. He is so far ahead of the pack right now that it's almost boring to pick him. I know, I know, I get it, and I would probably pick him too. But I think maybe I just want to look up one thing about Roman Yossi because I Kale think- McCarr. Well, that wouldn't be bad. I, it, I think I might actually have Makar on my like top three ballot right now. 
legitimately. Um, no, it, it is John Carlson. You're right. But is he still on pace for 100 points? No, right? No, he's close. Uh, he might be. Uh, if Dougie Hamilton didn't just get injured yeah. for the rest of the year, he would be a very serious candidate. He would have got mind. a lot of looks for that. The Hart Trophy. Who's this going to? Oh, my God. Uh, there's a lot of candidates. Until this team gets anyone with a heartbeat who can play hockey, it's going to be Connor McDavid. It better be Connor McDavid. McKinnon, I will hear an argument for. That is it. There's a lot of guys who are close to these guys, but it is these two guys. Connor McDavid is playing with Evans Beer League team, and they have <laughs> been leading the division for good chunks of this season. Connor McDavid is the best player on the face of the earth. Connor McDavid has the least amount of supporting cast. So by both whatever definition of this award you want to go to with, whether it's simply best player or most valuable to his team, the answer is Connor McDavid. Don't try to get cute. Don't try to pick underdogs. Don't try to get this guy. No, it's McDavid, maybe McKinnon. Everybody else is on a different plane. Man, you basically are the guy whose team sucks, but you're unreal. Bad time for me to vote David Pasternak. Then I, no, I'm kidding. I vote McDavid. Um, did you guys see all the details about McDavid's injury over the summer? Yeah, there was a documentary, wasn't there? There's going to air Friday night. Mini series, real hot right now. Yo, everybody's about those mini series. People tried to Game of Thrones ruin extended series for everyone. Yeah, we oh. we that's why we can't have anything. Nice. Just nope, so, no TV talk. Yeah, sorry. TV continue. Talk. Sorry, sorry, Terry. <laughs> He didn't hear you. Um, is Okay, here's my concern and my question. Is what's going to happen to – is what – how do I phrase this? Is what's going to happen <laughs> – Better than that. Is, do, what, do, do. is what happened to Eric Carlson going to happen to Connor McDavid? Where he was so far ahead of the pack, he should have won it every year, but the writers just didn't vote for him because it was boring? Uh, probably. It's actually, I think, a good comparison is LeBron James where – People say, like, if you look at objectively what this award is supposed to be awarded for, like the best player in the league, if that's the metric you're going to, this league would be boring because LeBron James would have won league MVP every single year. And that the same is thing, Connor she, McDavid. It His is. team sucks. He drags their lifeless corpse every single year to be better than what they are. And he's the best player in the world. You know what's going to happen? Edmonton's going to miss the playoffs by like one point, And they'll be like, oh, can't vote for him. They didn't make the playoffs. Even though the division champion in that uh, division is probably only going to be three points ahead of them. The Connor McDavid is is performing this season when last year when he crashed uh, into the net and he had that injury. Um, his PCL, which is an incredibly important uh, ligament in your knee, cut clean in half. The back of the knee joint, there's a lining there completely torn. Uh, not only a bone bruise, but a crack in the front of his tibia. That is major reconstructive surgery. That is what he should have had. If he had the surgery, his season was over and his skating stride would have changed forever. And so in lieu of that, he got three opinions before he found someone who's willing to try a um, rehab regimen with him. And it, they pretty much it was the first time anyone had done it this way. They It was the same kind of doctor or clinic that Andy Murray used, that uh, Bianca Andreescu used. Um, and it's turned out well enough, although he had there was a point in the season where he was, it looked like he was hampered by something. Regardless, you one, you hope there's no long-term injury. And two, he's doing this coming off of that offseason are you kidding me? Like he had to put in eight hour days from the moment he got that diagnosis through training camp. He came back for the first game of the regular season. That was his first game time. He played no exhibition games. Absolutely crazy. This guy's the best player in the world. It's not close. Yeah. Well, I mean, Cindy Crosby. 
is still a thing, but he missed a quarter of the season, and that's always held against players. So, did you see his uh, everything since he's come back? Yes. Oh, what a freak that guy is. That's- he always has this thing where people are like, oh, is, is this the the downturn of Sidney Crosby from the concussions, no. from this, from that? Then he comes back and just embarrasses people. Man, Pittsburgh's going to win the cup. <laughs> if you can lose that many of your star players and still tread above water, that is terrifying. That's why this year was the first year when we did our pre uh, preseason rankings or like our They're, they're going to trade for Mike Green. They're going to trade for Mike Green. Take him. Take do they have do any traffic picks left to give away? No. Who cares? You scorched earth until Crosby and Malkin are literally yeah, dead. Yeah, you're in your window until both of them retire. Yeah. Um, I don't – I stop betting against a team that has Crosby and Malkin because people don't understand that they're not just two franchise players. They're two generational talents. Like, they are two – I don't want to put a number on this. Crosby's easily a top 10 player of all time by the time it's all said and, and done. And you think they're, they're unreal when they're both in the lineup? They both raise their game when one of them is not, and it's terrifying. It's, it is legitimately horrifying. For everyone else. Uh, they have their first for the next three seasons. Come Ooh. on down. Mike Green's worth each of them. <laughs> uh, would you take a yes. sixth? Yes. Yeah, yeah I don't care. There's nothing. Although Mike Green is out for a couple more weeks, so there's that annual. You just say, you turn Justin Schultz into <laughs> a power play quarterback. Think of what you can do with Mike Green. Ooh. Um, this whole thing with Connor McDavid. Uh, so actually, fun fact as an aside. Is there here, any more awards? No, that's it? it. That's it. We didn't disagree a lot, which is annoying. Maybe at the end of the year. Okay. Uh, my dog was outside while Evan and Brad got here, and she loves them, and she's now hears and smells that they're here, and so she's literally just sitting outside the door waiting for this to be over. Sorry, kid. Uh, no, it's because she heard weird noises coming out of this room before we started recording. What was? What were the weird noises? Barking. Oh, yeah. Brad was literally barking at my dog. <laughs> I thought I was weird with Brad's dogs, but here we are. Okay. Uh, a lot of this uh, chatter about Quinn Hughes. Um, I've seen a lot of debate and a lot of discussion, unfortunately, regarding Zadina, which I really thought um, – I thought there was a general consensus on this, but I guess that was um, naive of me to assume um, – but talking about Quinn Hughes being the best, possibly the best player, including Rasmus Dillon, to come out of that draft class and who messed up the most. Uh, I think it's an interesting topic and I think it's definitely worth talking about because, yeah, Quinn Hughes is absolutely lighting it up, right? Um, is Simple question right now uh, off the top of your head. Is is Quinn Hughes the best player to come out of his draft class? Not even close. Not even close? You don't think he's made it close? Have you seen Rasmus Dahlin? Have you seen the numbers and the comparables for what Andrei Svechnikov is doing this year? They are still the top two. And in my mind, that's not up for debate. They are both unreal. Dahlin's going to get some votes for the Norris this year. Uh, Svechnikov's numbers as an 18 year, as a 19 year old in the NHL are like on pace with, on par with Austin Matthews and other players of that caliber. No, it's those two still. Any other argument is silly. I would absolutely put Quinn Hughes at number three. But I'm looking at the draft right now. There's been no one in the third round or later to play an NHL game. That's not uncommon though, considering how recent that draft was. It's rare. You still think there'd be at least one person out of What's more that sure. group? Well, dude, there's only been, looking at this, there's only been two second rounders to play. <clears throat> yeah. So Quinn Hughes has a higher points per game than Andrei Svechikov and Rasmus Dillian. Points per game? Yeah. 
He's got, impressive. He's got 37 points in 53 games. Sveshnikov has uh, 82 and 132, and Deline has 72 and 123. Oh, my God. Deline. Yeah, but you know um, what doesn't factor in? What? The fact that this is Quinn Hughes' first season, and he's 20 years old, and both of those two played in the NHL at 18. Excellent point. Quinn Hughes also played college, so he played against more mature bodies, so you'd assume that he'd come in so, more ready. So, Quinn Hughes... Quinn Hughes is playing his rookie season right now, and he's two one year older than both these guys, and they've already played two seasons. Like it's not comparable. It's still these two. You would still say Deline, then Sveshnikov, and then I would very legitimately make a case for Sveshnikov number one, but I would still go Deline. I think, and I think Carolina would still take a forward. I I think if it were redraft, if you flip Buffalo and Carolina, I think they'd still take Sveshnikov. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, you make a good point that Andrei Sveshnikov, people seriously overlook just how good this kid is. Um, I'm just saying, though, Quinn Hughes is like, we, uh, I was wrong about Quinn Hughes. And I've oh, said we before. were for sure. I think we kind of. We were cool on him, and then we kind of came around to, like, we said we'd be okay, but he wouldn't be our first choice. I'll never listen to our old episodes, but I feel like I said no to Quinn Hughes. I think we had him ranked, like, 7th or 8th, which is almost exactly where he went. Yeah. So, it's uh, not like we were ranking him in, like, 15. We all ended up landing on Bouchard, which would have been the Red Wings' choice if uh, Zadina didn't fall to them. Holland has confirmed that. Who's been really good? Uh, Bokvist, has also, who is also high on our list, has been very impressive in Chicago. Chicago. um that whole first that whole class like uh, you know what i actually haven't been following barrett hayton there's too closely. there's there's from, been one person in the top 10 who hasn't played a game and that's v- vitaly kratzoff yeah and i would say out of the guys who have played there's been two that i would think have underperformed their draft slot right now and i'm gonna even count barrett hayton as yeah you could justify it and they're super, and, and Arizona's super high on him right now. Yeah, so yeah. I would say timing timing will change. I would say Kraftsov looks worrisome, and Kotkaniemi looks worrisome based on where they were picked and who is available. Yeah, I, I, in my opinion, I think if you're a fan of Montreal, I don't think Ottawa fans are going to be mad about what Brady Kachuk has done. Uh, they were at the time, but I th- I think they've s- severely warmed up to that. Um, if you're a fan of Montreal who took Kotkaniemi or Arizona who took Barrett Hayton, you are having some questions about whether or not they could or should have taken Quinn Hughes. I think if you're a Red Wings fan, like if they ended up taking Bouchard over Hughes, then yeah, you can you can really have that fair argument. That one would sting right now. For sure. Uh, but nobody was expecting Philip Zadina to fall. Like we were essentially like trying to meme it into existence uh, before that draft. Like really. Where where did I drop? I don't, I don't fucking know. know. Do you think we listen to you on this podcast? <laughs> I'm leaving that part in. <laughs> Perfect. That's Do it we, there. Yeah, that's, segue back. That's then. our segue. Keep talking. I got distracted because uh, someone came to the door that I wasn't expecting, but that, <laughs> that's where we're gonna carry in. Um, no, I, I think there it's it's too early to tell, and especially with Philip Zadina falling to where he did, all of us were over the moon. Pretty much every other team in the league, except Vancouver, who at the time genuinely believed they had their home run pick, would have taken Philip Zadina. Um, all the teams that were lower on Philip Zadina than Detroit had already drafted by then. If you obviously aren't happy that we got Philip Zadina at where we were, you're a liar. Every single person, when he was still available, was jumping out of their shoes to get up to that draft board and draft him. 
I never thought in my wildest dreams that we would be drafting Philip Senior. No, no, I was. We were losing our minds. There are there were people. I I will give credit to people who were clamoring for Hughes. Like there were fans who wanted Hughes from the beginning. They were very sure. exposed to him because he played for Michigan. Uh, and I respect a, that's that narrative that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people look at that. They looked at that with um, who was it this year who played in Chicago or something like that. It was uh, Caulfield, right? Was no, it Caulfield? Turcotte. Was Turcotte, Turcotte. Yeah. That was it. And then we were all like, oh, God, no, please, no. Yeah. And they took uh, Kirby Doc. So I think those fans, for sure, you get the I told you so, no doubt. But for the most part, I don't really think you can be mad about the Zadina pick. Every single draft that's ever happened, someone who you know didn't get picked where they should have ends up being the best player in that draft or something like that. They end up being way better than projected. And that's not what the point of it is. You pretty much have to pick who you perceive to be the best player available there. And I think the only time when you can really be upset or terribly upset is if you, A, you missed something obvious or whiffed super hard. If you go off the board and it's wrong, that is when you should be upset. Stop looking at what other teams have and look what we have. Don't have a Philip Zadina who's undoubtedly one of the best players on this team already and hasn't played a full NHL season. Don't draft a, uh, don't draft for positional need and uh, don't draft duds. And that's your only two. Red Wings drafted for positional need. What? Oh, Mort Sider. And again, like, we'll be honest, like, that was a that's very a, that's a debated big boy play. T- yeah. If you're going to do it, it's got to pan out. And credit to that draft team, you know, that, that's Tyler Wright's draft team. And Steve Eisman okayed that pick. Like, it's looking great so far. He hasn't played a single NHL game, but so, yes, I would agree that so far, everything we've seen, I would project him to be a, you know, solid NHL player anyhow yeah everyone gets all bent out of shape about draft stuff that's already happened i know it's it's so easy to go back and have 2020 vision and like i guess it's kind of hypocritical for us because we do what episodes upon episodes of i'm sure i've said a bunch of players were going to be garbage and that now they're unreal and vice versa yeah of course if we were right about it we'd be on a draft team yeah are we redrafting this or doing our own list or what are we doing here no i just want to talk about it Okay. I'm sure I, I Brad's doing, got like the sixth round done. Already. No, well, I was just doing some mental math in my head that I guess didn't matter. Well, sorry to exhaust you, bud. Um, if yeah, you, that's why the lights were flickering. <laughs> I had Phil Zadina in the top five. Um, I'm not going to bite. We're because we have a, actually a really important topic to talk about. No, we don't. I know what it is. Um, it was reported that gritty is being investigated for assaulting a minor first they take harambe from us and now they want to take gritty when has the world gone too far (laughs) we have not survived the four years that came after harambe leaving if gritty is gone they retire gritty that is the that is the harbinger of of doom and the apocalypse it's the worst demise to a discipline since Jimi hendrix death What's the accusation that he ran full speed and punched a kid? In the back. At at a season ticket holder's meet and greet and no one saw it. And then the dad only wanted stuff to make it go away. Come on. This can't be real. It's not. It didn't happen. Honestly, (laughs) if it did happen, it just makes me like gritty more. He's living every adult's dream and punching 13-year-olds. Well, we're saying this. We're joking about this now. And like we're going to see the video. And it's going to turn out that he like like, hung the kid by the toes. Yeah. And like beat the hell out of him. No. (laughs) It's like gritty. uh, Gritty's for the people. And if that kid got punched in the back, he probably had a punchable back. There's a reason. There had to have been. When I saw that, I was like, 
this is this real? And I read it. I was like, I I guess. It came out, out around the same time as that whole Mr. Peanut business. I'm like, I can't tell what's satire anymore and what's not. <laughs> the onion is now not the onion. No. The beaver tin is still having a field day, but the onion I the onion legitimately fired all of their staff and they just copy and paste the uh, headlines from CNN. That's this it. is true. Is, yeah. Is this the first case in the history of the world where um, there was an abuse case where it looks like a minor was struck, hit, abused, assaulted, whatever you want to call it, and everybody's on the side of the assault, <laughs> the assaulter, the big the gut, googly the accused, eyes, the rat. accused, the alleged, allegedly, I feel like the this... alleged perpetrator. Yes, and apparently they offered to like let the kid go down on the bench for warm ups and like get all this signed stuff. So what's the problem? And then they declined getting that stuff, even though the dad said, "Oh, can you just let him go in the room?" But then they're like, yeah, you can go down on the bench. He's like, not good enough. Now we're going to press charges. Like, what? What? What are you talking about? I want the room. Like, I'm oh. really, I'm honestly, I'm just so worried about being on the wrong side of this. I know. The video is going to come out. We can clip this in like four, in a week or something. Yeah, I'll just go and delete the episode. Uh, because I hate you guys, I'm going to do a tankathon and sim the lottery and Detroit. Yeah, man, they only moved down one Quentin spot. Quentin Byfield. Yes. I'm, that's an acceptable result. Hey, uh, the Red Wings missed out on drafting one Quentin, so might as well not pass up uh, that opportunity again. Is Quinn short for Quentin? Quentin, but spelled with uh, Q-U-I-N-T-I-N, like a weirdo. Like Tarantino. Is that how Tarantino's is spelled? I think so. Uh, no, isn't oh, Tarantino's no, Quentin or something? I apologize. No movie talk. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry, Terry. Rest in peace. Uh, Trade besides daily, any other any other tradable assets at this point? They are all. If it's not some weird Athanasiu trade, it's whatever team overvalues our defenseman like Mike Creek. Somebody's gonna want Darren Helm. God, but, please! I just I need someone's gonna I want need the joke to go. Away. They're gonna go for Glenn Denning first. I can't say it. my feed literally during the game. It could be like two two in the third period. Hey, maybe Darren Helm will score. Please let Darren Helm give the puck to Darren Helm. I can't. I just can't. Anymore. Been saying I, that for ten years. Here's here's the problem. I like Darren Helm. I really like Darren Helm, and I'm sick of Darren Helm. <laughs> I just can't anymore. It's not funny. I And I think it's actually gone so far that I think some people are taking it literally now. And I think that's what ruined it for me. When it was just obvious satire and humor and sarcasm, it was great. And now I don't think it is. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know what is and isn't satire anymore. Um, we are going to get over to overtime and on midweek episodes of the winged wheel podcast, that is Patreon exclusive. We're going to start with Alex Zucco says, Hey fellas, quick question for you. Obviously looking forward because, uh, obviously forward looking because I can't bear to break down the roster for the remainder of the season. Let's talk nine or 2020, 2021 defense. Hronik to Kaiser Nemeth are all locks. Would you predict the remaining spots to go to Chalosky, Sider, and Bowie slash Biega, assuming they resign one or both of them? Yes, that's exactly Yeah, true. that's the safest bet right now. Or do you think Stevie goes shopping for another Nemeth type guy? Maybe, but it'll be for a warm body situation, and it's impossible to predict when those Somebody's guys. bound to get hurt on hey, that uh, back end. Hey, do you know who's a usable warm body? Madison Bowie. Problem solved. Um, bonus question. Has Giovanni Smith played his way into being a roster lock for the remainder of the season and potentially starting with the big league? club next season uh honestly i don't think uh, that much of giovanni smith at least not as much as the rest of the fan base but it sure as hell is better than the rest of that bottom six so yeah i'll say yeah someone tweeted and i'm sorry for forgetting who you are um giovanni smith is doing what 
we should be paying Abdulkader to do right now. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, he's I, got. He's is he injured? I haven't watched games recently. Is he in the roster? Who Smith or Abdulkader? Abdulkader. Oh yeah, he's playing. He's playing. Oh no. Um, oh, playing no. on the line with N and someone else. Oh, that's he, why. And yeah. Smith, um, which is ironic that Giovanni Smith now has two goals. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he's played what a month, if that. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm like I like Giovanni Smith. Um, I don't know that he would be a regular on a good team, but on this version of the Red Wings, hell yeah, keep him up. Who cares? Yeah, he's, well, he's he playing brings, power play. He's he's gotten a couple goals and he brings some entertainment. So he's on Zadina's power play unit. That's how injured this team is, <laughs> and that's resulted in a couple goals. Uh, Zadina's goal against Pittsburgh was off a Giovanni Smith screen, and Zadina's second goal against Mini was in the Giovanni Smith chaos. Yep, uh, he does good work in front. He he does his role well, and good for him. Josh Terrell says, hey, Dub Dub, definitely a supporter of letting the tank run its course, but do you guys think it's worthwhile to make some moves in the offseason just to simply stabilize the culture of the team? The current situation is currently not ideal for young players coming up and we'll have plenty, uh, which we'll have plenty of next year. Thanks as always. Uh, yeah, they need to make a move, but it's not on the roster. I think you, I agree with both of you. I think the Red Wings need to make this sure that this season is their worst season of the rebuild. This current one? Yeah. Yeah. Next season, they need, uh, I would honestly replace almost the entire coaching staff just to get new voices in the room. Uh, I'm finished last. Who cares? But just, yeah, I don't. This whole, you need more veteran leadership in the room, yada, yada, yada. And I, I agree that you need that, but good young players don't listen to bad old players. You need to bring in a good old player and the Red Wings don't have any of those. Or at least someone who's very, very well respected. Like I'm sure no one is complaining that Trevor Green or Trevor Green, <laughs> Trevor Daly, They're basically the same person. Trevor Daly is in the, in the locker room. Cause everyone thinks very, very highly of him. Um, but yeah, you don't really want guys who can't tie their skates. They're 38 years old, and these young guys are like, whoa. And some of the mistakes Daly is making on the ice this season, I don't know if it's just because of age and he physically can't do the things he needs to do anymore, but it's just mind-boggling how bad some of his decisions are. That's not a guy I want telling Phil Pronick what to do. It's like, well, Daly, you just passed it uh, into the middle of the ice in your own zone in double coverage. No, I don't want that to be the learning lesson. If they had... Again, it's an extreme circumstance, but if they brought in a Justin Williams... A good old vet player, sure. By all means, do it. But yeah, no, they. This locker room needs to look different in a few. Usually, your next good year. old players are supposed to be the ones who've been there a long time. Yeah, and like again, you look at probably the best example the Red Wings have right now, which is either Philpla or Glenn Denning. But again, those aren't the most skilled players in the world. Those aren't the guys that need to be mentoring a Philip Zadina. If Dylan Larkin was 30, he'd be the perfect mentor for Philip Zadina. But Philip Larkin, uh, Philip Larkin, Dylan Larkin is 23. Mm, so yeah, yeah. So he's three years older than Philip Zadina. So I'd yeah. say Danny DeKaiser is sort of older than everybody. Yeah, but kinda. he's got to be there, though. He's got to be there, but he seems like a, a super likable guy that young players would uh, gravitate towards. Matt Cheney uh, says, hey, boys, Zadina is sure filling net so far. Can't help but think, however, that he wouldn't be on his goal pace if he wasn't on the first power play unit. If Mantha wasn't hurt, that would definitely still be his spot on the power play. So my question is, is there a number one power play configuration that you can think of where both Mantha and Zadina are on it? Wouldn't hurt having two laser beams as a threat that the goalies would have to be aware of. Thanks for the great content as always. They both kind of sit on the right side. So yeah. I shy away from that. You can't put them on the same unit. The benefit... 
The true benefit to Mantha coming back would be giving Zadina a second workable weapon on the second unit. Because if it were me, I'm pulling Robbie Fabry off that first unit and putting uh, and when Mantha comes back. So then you have you could in theory have Fabry, Chalosky, and um, Zadina working the second unit, which all of a sudden isn't great. But it's respectable. That's two guys who could definitely get him the puck. Giovanni mm-hmm. Smith seems to be doing adequate net front, which means you really only have one black hole on that unit. And that would be in the bumper, which is admittedly probably the least used position on a power play. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Or if you wanted to balance it out, do what they were doing at the beginning of the year, put Chalosky on the first unit, and then you have Hronik on the second unit. So you can tee off from both sides. There, there's options there. Um, so I'm not mega concerned about Zadina going to the second unit. And quite honestly, looking at the last four minutes of the game yesterday, when they had, when Minnesota took that penalty, that power play was running through Zadina. Yeah. So they think very highly of him in that spot at this point already. He's not Mantha. You're right. So you have to split up the units, but I think the second unit gets a lot better by default just because of Zadina being there. Liz B says 51 games played in a negative 90 goal differential. Holy Ferk, as awful as everything has been, at least Hronik, Zadina, Bertuzzi, and Mantha before he got hurt are at least some positive NHL level things. Oh, we didn't talk about Mantha maybe being out for the year. It might be for the best because that's going to save some money on that next contract. I still sign him long term for the record. What a brutal thing to happen. In a season full of brutal things, that's among the worst. Uh, only 31 games left in the abyss of a season. Hey, at least it can't be any worse than this next season. Hey, we had a we started the season three and one with Anthony Mantha on a heater. So maybe in the real long term view, maybe it was for the best. Shay says, "Fellows, I'm blown away to read some of the hate that non-wings fans have for Ken and Mickey in the booth. Maybe a biased opinion, but I've always felt like they are the most entertaining announcers in the game and much better than anyone on the national broadcasts." Uh, well, that's and, a low bar to clear. And yes, I'm aware of how sad it is uh, that we have nothing better to talk about that than our announcers' thoughts. People don't like them because they uh, they do exude a little bit of homerism, but I think they do it in the most tasteful way possible. You don't like Ken Daniels, you're an idiot. Every broadcast, the home announcers are homers. It's just to varying degrees. Like, watch a Bruins game. Oh, my God. The Bruins can do no wrong, and Jack Edwards will literally yell at opponent. At, a Bruins at player could take off their skate, go into the stands, and kill five people, and they'd be complaining that they didn't get, uh, that they got a minor penalty. Yeah, it's it's awful. It's it's all relative, right? Everybody uh, hates everyone else's announcers. I thought that's how it worked. I'll say this, Ken Daniels does something better than anyone else than like better than any other local broadcaster, which is announce other teams' goal with energy. Yeah. Like he uh Colorado's terrible. They're like any scores. Yeah, Phil I'll never forget. I remember I had to watch Colorado's broadcast, Philip Zadina's first NHL goal. Brutal. It was it was a go ahead goal with 2 minutes left in the game and it was the 6th overall pick's first NHL goal and he announced it like it was the 10th goal in a 10-1 game with eight minutes left it was embarrassing 
Arjun Shanker, who got our flag on a I saw that on a broadcasted NHL game. I love him for that. He that, did? Was yeah, there a yeah. picture? Oh yeah. Video. Yeah. It was Where? literally up against the glass. He was up front row. We we took a picture of it. It's uh the podcast account tweeted it out. I'll send you it after. Um he was up against the glass. He got the Wingwheel podcast flag there. So Arjun, we are forever. Was it a, were they playing Detroit? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was Detroit, cool. Colorado, yeah. Yay, we're famous. We're famous. We uh, that is the moment where we made it. Uh, Arjun said, so I had a great time with the wings and abs game on Monday. I got to say, if you're going to watch the wings lose, the best way to do it is with glass seats, free beer and free food. I had prime rib, green beans with garlic and more beers than I care to admit before the game even started at one. After the game, I got a hat signed by Perlini, Biega, Pickard, and Bilesma as well, which might not be the best lineup, but most of the players walked behind the curtain as they left, which I informed was very common after a loss. One thing I'll say is, say though, is watching on the glass, it's way harder to see the mistakes. Basically, the whole game, I was like, holy shit, everyone is freaking fast and big, and I can never even attempt that pass. It could be because I'm not a hockey player, or it could just be the difference between watching most games on TV or in the upper bowl, then suddenly watching a game from ice level. That being said, do you think Blasha would be able to see what we see if he coached the game from the press box instead of behind the bench? <laughs> every coach watches every game on film after the game. Yeah, so he's seen it all from our he perspective. He has the tape. As many times as we had. But I'm glad you pointed out that because people, your casual fan at home just doesn't understand how good these players are. The worst player in the league is an exceptionally talented hockey player. Everything happens in such small windows with no reaction time and at such a high pace. It's actually insane. So, yeah, it, I'm, I'm super appreciative that you noticed that. Uh, he said, as a side note, Ryan, I made one spelling error in a comment a few weeks ago and it completely threw you for a freaking loop. So I checked up punctuation and spelling on, on all this, you nerd. Uh, Brian Toll says, hey, dead duds, rather than get any, get any more upset and disappointed about the current performance from the wings, I'm looking for recommendation recommendations to round out the 12 books I hope to read this year to complete my New Year's resolution. Book a month for a year. I have dyslexia. Oh, good for you, man. I haven't read a book. Oh, God, what year is it? 2020? Yeah. I honestly haven't. I probably didn't read a book in the last decade. Uh, yeah, bold of you to assume I have time to read a book. I don't even have time to watch the movie adaptation of these books anymore. So I guess I'll have to start taking more vacations where you sit around and do nothing. Oh, it's nice, man. That's what I did on the cruise. We just sat on the deck and read. It was great. That sounds awful. <laughs> I hate that with a passion. I had an ice cream cone, the sun. Of course, everybody does that on a cruise. It's a cruise. There's nothing they else to do. crush ice cream. Oh, I had a sickening amount of soft serves. You know when your metabolism flips from like young man's metabolism where you're always skinny and then all of a sudden the gut doesn't go away? Is it, um, was it like uh, serve yourself once yeah. and they just keep going they and going, going and going? Yeah, that it, that cruise is when it happened. He was just like a hamster under <laughs> by the end of the cruise. <laughs> Pretty much. One time, I kid you not, I said to Mel, we were in our room ready to go to bed. I said, hey, I'm just going to uh go fill up our water bottles and she went okay and i was gone for 10 minutes so it's like i have a full ice cream cone and then i came back down and then i just went to bed and then the next day i was like hey i have to admit to you i went upstairs and i scarfed a chocolate ice cream cone because yeah i know you did you idiot <laughs> i could smell it on yeah. you those trips are dangerous i've only ever been on one of those trips in my life and i think i gained 12 pounds because uh, crystal had to explain to me 19 times so when we went to the one resort down in mexico i'm like so there's all these restaurants. She's like, yeah, I'm like, and they're all free. We don't have to well, pay. You paid for it. But we, it's we free paid to for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. 
I'm like, so I can go in there 12 times and pay nothing. She's like, yes. I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. And I'm like, I'm supposed to tip the wait staff. She's like, no, but I'm, I'm like, but I'm going to. Like, I, I can't walk out of there without it leaving. It certainly gives you some perks yeah, when you tip. You, yeah. you do it early in the week to establish your guy yeah. or your girl, whatever. And those people, if you give them like 10 bucks, oh, oh my God. I didn't say you people. <laughs> well, those hey. people. They will. I remember we did it once. Uh, we gave this one guy 20 bucks at the start of the week. And we're like, we never want our beer fridge to be empty. That guy showed up every single morning with a 2-4. I was still hammered. <laughs> and that thing was stocked the entire trip. And it was the best 20 bucks we ever spent. Uh, sorry. Uh, Brian's comment goes on to say, started the year off with Nicholas from the Pursuit of, uh, Pursuit of Perfection. Highly recommend it to any Wings fan. I also finished Shattered Ice by Steve Seftel, Kitchener, Ontario guy, former NHL player and second round pick. Uh, Steve who? Seftel. It might be a uh, spelling He's from thing. Kitchener? Yeah. How the hell do I uh, the story of his NHL debut, which was against the Wings, alone was worth the read. I also grew up watching him play for the Baltimore Skipjacks, Caps farm team at the time. So it was like reliving those days. I bought Shift Work by Ty Domi, tough guy, the Bob Probert story. And I started Shift Work only because it was delivered first. Other than the Down Goes Brown book, which is on my list, what other books would you recommend? Uh, if you're looking for hockey books, I loved um, Phil Esposito's story i thought that was really great i've read it read that one a few times uh if you're looking for non-hockey books oh man i don't know i've I'm not read enough i don't read ever let me get back to you on that because i want to th- i want to think of a few good hockey and non-hockey books peter polishansky says what's up you guys have you heard anything about the national roller hockey league startup if so what have you heard i just heard about it this morning and the only info i have is teams are in detroit grand rapids port huron and st louis so far could be interesting i have not heard of this uh i'm not a big roller hockey person but i mean that's cool i'll watch any version of hockey so if it's broadcast i'm in uh apparently tsn in canada i forgot to mention this picked up the rights to that three on three hockey league that's coming uh you do remember the three hl yes that came through a bunch of i had a bunch of buddies playing that league and they said it was the biggest gong show so i am so curious to see how this new one works out Haroon Khan says, "Hey guys, uh, pretty sure after all this time watching the Red Wings, that Abdulkader is getting four and a half, or four and three quarter million dollars, or whatever the exact amount is, to talk about the university he went to during every TV timeout or during the intermission to fill the time because poor Ozzy and John probably have nothing good to talk about." Now for the on-ice performance, he jumps over the board and he goes around in circles in the D zone and tapping every player at the stick, hoping for a bounce so he can pick it up and skate down the ice just to dump it in and go off for a change. That's what he does every time he's there. That Abdulkader end guy line, I don't know if I'm overreacting, but it seems like every time they come on, the opposing team has a huge shift or they just score. Against the Wild, this line iced the puck three times and guess what? Wild scored on the third faceoff. Why does Abdulkader have an A? In times like these, the leader has got to talk to the room and, st- and step up his own performance all he talks about is how he was how fun it was beating the university of michigan or whatever and how beautiful the lca is the worst part is he's here for a long time to come let's go red wings yeah uh, yeah that's it basically slowly coming to terms with the bad contracts in the red wings is a painful process and there's over 700 players in the nhl currently and this guy is at worst in the top three worst contracts in the nhl so that should put it into perspective Chad Hiersack says, hey, boys, no comment this week. Just made a picture that I feel is more relevant this year than the year that I made it. Um, it is Jeff Blashill. Uh, 
hiding. <laughs> it's the here's Johnny picture, but it's Jeff Blaschel and peeking through the broken doors, the Detroit Red Wings logo. That's Peter Shirelli. Is that Peter Shirelli? That's definitely Peter Shirelli. Why Peter Shirelli? Oh, I look similar. Yeah. Stephen Clary says, whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa. Chicken on a bear. (laughs) (laughs) This season's a nightmare. That's not bad. Someone's got to go steal the click remote from Adam Sandler and fast forward to the lottery show so we can get the most disappointing part of the season over uh, when we fall from one to four. Will the Matthews method be the new go-to for avoiding the All-Star game? I see a lot of players taking the free trip if the festivities were in Florida slash Vegas. Cheers, lads. Only 31 to go. Put it somewhere where people want to go. No one wants an All-Star game in Columbus. No one wants an All-Star game in edmonton put it in vegas put it in florida it's we're in done. florida next year so we're done That's change, it. change the all-star game uh, get rid of the all-star game do something more fun instead everett says howdy partners shall we wrangle only three rounds left before the winner is crowned this round is for all three of you and i will be the judge this will require some honesty on your part on June 23rd, 2017, the Detroit Red Wings selected ninth overall Michael Rasmussen. Upon hearing the selection, I kind of drew my eyebrows in together and murmured something like interesting in a particular tone to signify I might not have made the same decision. At the time, I was high on Gabe Velarde, and since then, it has became obvious that it was for the best that I was not in charge of making that decision. Uh, at the time of the draft, considering who was available at nine, who was it that you were hoping the Red Wings would select? Would the Red Wings be, be better or worse if they'd taken your hopeful selection? Um, I was between Lilligren and Velarde lardy and i was hoping to god for lilligren because i knew that the red wings needed defense and yes they will 100 would be in a better position even if lilligren ends up being a second pair defenseman that's at least a more solid defensive gore i will defend that to the death lilligren shouldn't have fallen to toronto and i believe he would have been a substantially better pick and i'm sorry to say it because it's really tough on Rasmussen, and he still could pan out and be useful but yeah i think lilligren would have made the red wings a better team i was between lilligren Suzuki and Brandstrom. Brandstrom, the jury's still out in. The other two would have definitely served us better. It looks like out of everybody that I was kind of hoping for, Suzuki would have been the winner. And instead, he's on a division rival. I liked Owen Tippett a lot. So mm. here we are. Um, Ryan's favorite bastard. <laughs> Oh, sorry about your Packers, but also I'm not. Uh, Hey, nerds, let's talk about the NFL draft. Since the Lions are continually a disappointment, who should they draft? Is it time to draft Matthew? I broke my back uh, twice carrying this team Stafford or a lineman of sorts. Also, why can't the Lions draft well past the second round? Uh, They should be Packers and learn how to scout and also make it to the NFC championship with your first year head coach. First of all, whatever. Secondly, you can't hurt me. I've never had any hope for the Lions, and thus I am already dead inside. Third, I don't think they should draft Tua. I think they should... Uh, They're picking third, right? Yeah. Who's picking first and second? It's uh, Cincy and who? Cincy and uh, Washington. Washington. Uh-huh. So Chase Young is going to go to Washington. Cincy's going to draft Joe Burrow. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's going to be tough. I think they should. Is there another back. like high end edge rusher? There's usually like two or three. For Not edge rusher. There's some really good corners. Um, I think a couple of good linebackers, but no one. You guys could use a corner. Didn't you get rid of uh, what's his name? I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So there you go. Draft a corner. Uh, I want to find a way to trick Washington into thinking they need Tua and then they take Chase Young. 
Well, I think they should take two because Haskins isn't good. Uh, Don Mitchell says, hey, Jen's been a minute. I'm finally creeping out from under my rock and watched the wild game last night and went right back. The pain is real and the pink Whitney isn't helping anymore. Let's pay GM with some of these RFAs coming up. I'll give you my ideas and you can tell me how wrong I am. Bertuzzi, Gladly. Bertuzzi five years at 4.75 million. That's great. I'd do it. I would go one less year. I don't. If for that uh, AAV, I could stomach the extra year, but Bertuzzi's not taking under five, realistically speaking. Mantha, seven at six and a half million. In a heartbeat. Athanasiu, one year at 3.25. Yes, I would Mm -hmm. do that. Uh, Fabry, two years at 2.75. Yes. Mm, Yeah. Perlini, one year, one million. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I don't care. Uh, What are you looking forward to the most of... Looking forward to the most at the All-Star game, if anything. Uh, the, it off? The women's three-on-three. Three. Yeah, the Canada versus U.S. women's three-on-three. Because three. they will actually try. And seeing what different skills, competition stuff they have. I won't watch it, to be honest. I am legitimately might turn it off after the... Is it this weekend? Three. It's tomorrow. <laughs> See, that's how much I care about this. I don't even know what it is. Uh, Super Bowl picks. Oh, who's in it? Chiefs uh, and 49ers. Um, I don't know who the right pick is, and I have no knowledge. So you can pay. You can go. Were the Forty Niners real bad recently? Forty Niners are uh, maker like they're they were ra- bad rags, last year. Rags are riches every but year. San Francisco already has enough nice things. KC hasn't made the Super Bowl in fifty years. Mm, Brad's that, advocating for Kansas City. I'm going to say San Francisco. I'm absolutely going San Francisco. Oh, okay, Chiefs. Then I think the Chiefs will win. I think Patrick Mahomes is a freak. I think the 49ers D line is going to cause havoc. Clinton killed. <laughs> Clinton killed Epstein. <laughs> Oh, my God. Which one? (laughs) Says, good evening, dud duds. If for some reason Stevie decides uh, to address goaltending this offseason, in what order would you prefer these UFAs uh, give it? You guys sneak the politics in there. It's clever. I didn't even hear any of the question. Uh, Good evening, dud duds. If for some reason Stevie decides to address goaltending, in what order would you prefer these UFAs given the contract is fair? Leonard, Markstrom, Frank Coos, and Jared Coro. Thanks for helping me get through the days twice a week. (laughs) Jared Coro. here is not like the others uh in order i will go leonard markstrom francis uh markstrom leonard francis is that how you say it i think so i like then, ryan's order better yeah perfect so therefore i am right hunter saunders says why do they send down zadina smith and chalowski now that we got that out of the way are there any contracts you could see us weaponizing the cap space steve stevie saves with moves like this if so what would we get with said contract and what would we give up uh i was I forget who I was talking to on Twitter, but we we ended up devolving into an actual somewhat interesting conversation, even though I hate hypotheticals, uh, where I don't know what Detroit would have to send to Vancouver uh, in the offseason, assuming Vancouver re-signs Markstrom, in which case we take Louis Erickson's contract in some sort of deal that gets us Demco. I that. That is the easiest one, and I think Detroit is one of two teams that, like, one of a couple teams really willing to take on bad contracts. Louis Erickson's actually not as bad as people think, but he's just overpaid. He's actually had a bit of a resurgence the last couple weeks in Vancouver, so I don't know they'll be super desperate to get rid of him at this point, but... I would gladly take Louis Erickson and whatever asset they want to give, but if that's Demko, then I will gladly add to that. The The... The one that the conversation that we we're having on Twitter revolved around was because Vancouver has a lot of depth scoring issues. So it's like basically how do we get Erickson 
also get Demko and the Canucks get Athanasiu was kind of the hypothetical here. Who has to add what, where, and I can't remember what we settled on, but I, I think there could be something there um, for one of the more uh, egregious contracts in the NHL. Um, yeah, there's there's a few guys like that around the league, but I think Vancouver is in the prime position because their GM is really trying to extend this team's competitive streak i suppose i'm of the opinion that vancouver shouldn't be operating in this way but jim benning um thinks differently and he's a gm and i'm not they've got elite players at every position they've got the elite centerman they've got the elite winger they've got the elite defenseman and they've got two potentially top end goaltenders so they're they he's got a framework to work around he's just got a lot of dead weight on that roster still gladly would take louis erickson even if it means adding a second in exchange well how many years does he have left i think two um yeah we'll we're gonna do a little bit more of like a trade targets in that sense down the road michael barry says hey guys if mantha's done for the rest of the year what contract you give him have a good one uh as long as we can for as cheap as he'll accept seven by six i think would be cheaper than he would would you go seven by seven probably go i'd i'd almost go eight by seven Oh, sorry. I forgot we can do eight because he's a- yeah. I would, I would, uh, for what the value Anthony Mantha was providing before he got hurt this year is absolutely worth seven million plus. Had he played a full season at the pace he's playing, we're talking eight plus. Anthony Mantha will be 26 to start next season. So I'd be hesitant to give him more than six years. Yeah, six, seven kind of rides him. Well, if he wants at six, era. you're getting out, giving him a much higher AAV. If he wants eight years, eight, six, eight years, six million. Yeah, I'd do it. Oh yeah, he's a he's he's a type. He <laughs> doesn't rely on speed. His game could age has the potential to age pretty well. Not that he's Ovechkin, but in the same mold, in the sense that even if he the rest of his skill set completely drops off, he can stand in that one spot on the power play and just tee off. Yeah. Uh, Stay fresh cheese bags of Fournier Company says, "Hey there, fellows. Just thought that sometimes I replied to." uh other patreon comments here so whenever ryan starts the patreon segment you all react to the post count i get a good chuckle no it's probably my fault looking back at the rasmussen draft while not necessarily graded as a bad pick at the time it's hard to justify it with Nikash still on the board uh, however the draft commentators overwhelmingly likened him to dave anderchuk a third line skater and a first power play unit guy i don't think he'll put up anywhere near big dave's numbers but i'd like to see him back in detroit next season and starting to assume that role where is he next season has to be detroit right? It, there's no reality in which it's not detroit he's already spent a year in detroit he's been so injured this year in grand rapids but has played reasonably well when he's been healthy and detroit's power play sucks so yeah you need him up uh, also got into a twitter debate go figure about the nhl standings method i firmly want to see the league drop the point system and use a straight up win loss percentage uh with regulars uh regulation wins as a tiebreaker and no more ot loss point do you want this the status quo the proposed three point win system or something else each will have an influence on how the game is played i will die on the three point system hill three for regulation Win two for overtime shootout, win one point for overtime shootout loss. I will die on that hill. I am big on the three point regular or three point system as well. I can't see the NHL with all their enjoyment of tradition going away from a two point system. 
I wanna, yeah, I am definitely a three-point guy. I want to see a reality in which there's a game tied late in the third period on the 82nd game of the season where a team needs three points to get in this playoffs, and they pull their goalie in a tie game in regulation. I want it. Both teams need three points, and both teams pull their goalies. Maximal yes. chaos. Yes. Uh, stay fresh, cheese bags. Enjoy all the all-star festivities with Tyler Bertuzzi. Looking forward to the day all the all day all the wings checking line forwards will be wiped out, and three solid scoring lines can be deployed again. Me and you both, when I saw those octopi thrown on the ice, I got this huge like tinge of like emotion. I was like, oh, man, I miss when this team was good enough where the fans would do that in every rink they were in. Okay, can I can I call out a bit of BS here on that octopi toss? You do it during a goal, not two minutes left in the game when you're down by two. Yeah, he should have done it one for each Zadina goal. Yes, and you, plus those things can't be visible. They were sitting there for 58 minutes of the hockey game. That's a bad idea. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest, hopefully going to be on for Sunday's episode. I think you guys will like it. We'd like to thank all of our uh, listeners, our name-level Patreon supporters, uh, Everett Johnson, who's the supporter of our giveaways, um, RG Woodworking, who's going to have our awesome custom Winged Wheel Podcast table that we can't wait to show you, Ryan's favorite bastard, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Mitchell Shinkowski, Aaron Taylor, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Mike Mike Reed, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al Kassem, Arjun Shanker, bless your soul for getting our flag on national television, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Craig Kibble, Rob Thiel, Simon Anderson, John Evans, Kwaz, and Stan Olson. We love you. Enjoy the All Star uh, festivities and the beginning of a uh, eight day break from Red Wings hockey. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.